Good morning. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Happy Sunday. Hi. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Hi, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Come and find a seat. We've got room for you. Uh, so excited to see you guys, and um, it's always an honor and a privilege to to worship with you. It's been a, a really fun week in the life of reunion this past week. I felt like I was just saying in pre-service. Um, we've spent like three or four days together this week, which has always been the dream and the heartbeat of our church is Monday through Saturday, doing life together, that, that life together in Christ exists far more outside of a, a Sunday gathering, but it's in communities, in each other's homes, it's sharing meals together, it's hanging out at local restaurants and stuff. And so just proud of this church, proud of the spirit that's here, that we all like to enjoy each other. And so just know there's more room for you outside this place. We'd love to get to know you a little bit more and all that. And so um, well, we have a special guest this morning that we are very privileged to have, a, a dear friend of mine. Um, I started, I left youth ministry, just a little context, about, geez, 2014. Jesse and I were doing that for just over a decade, and we, we found ourselves in a season of needing some healing, um, looking to be a part of a church that kind of just welcomes us in, still let us use the gifts that we've had, um, and, but still like be a place that like was home and family. And so God took us to Rock Harbor, and very early on I met Ben. Um, and Ben, um, Lord's hand is on Ben. Ben is a tr- tremendous uh, uh, teacher, preacher, um, has a passion for raising up leaders and discipleship. And just, I've always admired Ben's personal relationship with Jesus. It's, de- it's deep, it's real and genuine. And, and just through my time at being with Ben and the pastoral team, God started igniting some things in me. And, and one of those things is we're here and teaching me what it looks like to live and listen to the Spirit and to discern the voice of God, some things that are really kind of taking shape here. And so um, a couple months ago, just thinking about a wish list, and Ben said numerous times, like, hey, if you ever need me to come, like, I'd be happy. I'm like, yeah, 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 you, you're kind of a part of the big deal now. You're preaching at Rock Harbor. You're traveling around. Like, you don't have time for us. But I was like, well, maybe he would say yes. And so I reached out to Ben. He's just like, absolutely. And so um, I asked Ben to uh, talk about prayer. It's one of the things that um, is on his heart. It's one of the messages that I feel like uh, is really just because he's in his wheelhouse. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're, we're at week two into a series called Going Through the Motions. Week three, excuse me, it's going by fast. And uh, really for us to start this year off uh, with an intentionality behind our relationship with Jesus. And, and recognizing that in Orange County, Sunday mornings and worship and prayer and, and giving and serving can all just be things that we just do, right? But to take a step back for a second and to remind ourselves of why we do the way thing, the way we do the, why we do the way things that we do. You get it. <laughs> to be intentional with our discipleship, to be intentional with how we follow Jesus. And so my heartbeat for us as a church is that God would ignite a fire in our, in ourselves, in our lives, in our faith. And for us to live on mission together. Um, and so, Ben, I'd love to invite you. Can we welcome Ben to our church? And uh, the stage is yours. you need anything? Do you need some heavy on water? Do you need... Um, no, I'm actually okay, I think. Okay. Um, if you could say a couple more nice things about me. Yeah. <laughs> He's dressed the part, obviously. He blends into the drapes. Yeah. So, that's, is that nice? I'm hoping, nice? Yeah, I'm hoping on, on, on the video I'm kind of a floating head for those who watch this later. Um, yeah, it's great to be with you. I love uh, uh, Mike and Jesse. Like, I, I, when I first met Mike, I like, pretty much immediately fell in love uh, with him and, and who he is. Uh, and, and I thought really to myself, it can't get better than Mike. Uh, is actually a real thought that I had. And then I was proven wrong because then I met Jesse, right? And, and everybody knows that. That's true, right? 
Um, and actually, when uh, me and Mike were getting lunch, uh, well, I guess it was, how many weeks are you pregnant? 28. So my, and my wife is 26 weeks pregnant right now, which is really cool. Um, and so we met for lunch, like, like it wasn't very long in, it was still in the first trimester and, and we met for lunch and, you know, um, he's like, so what's new in your life? And I'm just lying through my teeth cause I'm not going to tell him, you know, that we're pregnant. And so I'm lying. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mike being like honest and vulnerable and authentic, he's like, well, we got really big news. And he tells me his secret, like before you're supposed to tell people, and, and then, uh, and I was like, well, okay, I've been lying to you, Mike. So once again, you know, Mike's integrity. And that's, uh, honestly, I, I believe, I just want to say um, uh, that Mike and, and, and Jesse are the real deal. That you know this is why you're here. Probably part of the reason you're here is, is they're, they're real, they're authentic. They, they're not um, pulling one over. Like, like who they say they are and who they, um, uh, how they present themselves is really who they are. Uh, uh, they, they love Jesus, and, and more than anything, they love you. Like, I wish you could see um, how Mike talks about you guys, uh, how Mike talks about this community with so much love and so much affection, um, and it's such a powerful thing. Like, like the reason I've wanted to come visit you um, is because of the way he talks about you. Like, if you, if you read sometimes when Paul talks about churches with affection in his letters— when he's like, oh, I love how they keep the faith. I, I love how you guys are doing this well. I love how you guys are doing that well. He talks about you like that. Um, and he's the real deal. I and mean, you guys are the real deal. So I'm excited to be here. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about prayer. Um, I don't know why uh, I always get asked to talk about prayer, to be honest, uh, because I don't actually like prayer. Uh, uh, I'm not like one of those people who's prone to prayer. When you talk about like prayer warriors, you know, like I'm not actually sure what that means. Does anybody ever like prayer warriors, like, like we're going to like fight, you know, or something. But, but I, I, I was like, I'm not a prayer warrior. I'm not a prayer person. I'm not a prayer guy. Uh, uh, I like on purpose, at least that's not something I set out to do was, was, was be passionate about prayer or even to know much about prayer, um, or even to be a prayer. Uh, but, but what happened to me along the way is God, um, uh, uh, basically forced me time and time again into these, these moments of my life where I realized that, that um, even though I don't like to pray, my personality doesn't lead me into prayer. Uh, uh, that's not like my normal mojo. What, what I realize is that uh, I need prayer. And in fact, I've come to love it because I need it. I, I've come to, 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 to depend on it as a daily rhythm, as, as, a, as a normal part of life, because without it, I, f- I feel like I'm dying spiritually. It's, it's almost become the same as food or water to me. Uh, and again, not, not because uh, uh, my personality leads me there, but because um, Jesus has led me there. And I've seen what he can do through prayer. And I've seen what happens in my life when I, when I neglect or forget about um, prayer. You've been talking about uh, uh, going through the motions, why we do certain things. Um, so you've talked about what, why we gather and why we worship. Tian did that last week. And I noticed that, you know, you can make fun of Tian. Tian... Yeah, that's, that's what I, that sounds about right. That's very TN, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I was all excited, you know. I was like, you know, didn't even watch me. I guess because I didn't watch him last week. That's why. Okay, but anyways, uh, uh, so, so TN's partying in Vegas, and we're going to talk about prayer. So rub that in his face. Uh, and and uh, today we're talking about why we pray. And, and as I was thinking about prayer as a subject, as an idea, um, uh, uh, I've been I've been. Uh, reading this book called The Spiritual Life by Evelyn Underhill. I really recommend it. Um, uh, it, it kind of talks about 
um, uh, in everyday normal language. It's actually it's 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 a transcription of her radio broadcasts. If you're not familiar what a radio broadcast is, it's like a podcast before they had podcasts. They actually broadcasted things on the radio like live. And you could listen to them live. This crazy concept. But, but she did this, this series of radio broadcasts. She talks about prayer. Um, and, and, and she talks about the spiritual life, accessing God's presence, being connected to God in your normal, everyday, uh, uh, kind of uh, not-at-church life. Uh, kind of when you're out and about, when you're in your world. And, and she talks about how we're hardwired for God. And in fact, um, great thinkers throughout the ages have talked about it like this. Um, Augustine or Augustine, he says, he says uh, our hearts are ever restless until we find rest in God, until we find rest in him. See, see we, we're hardwired for, for, for goodness, for truth, for beauty. You ever, do you ever wonder why humanity as a collective, like when we look at, at, at a sunset, like every human goes, wow. Right, like when you see the colors change in the sky, when you look at a painting, or or why we're drawn to music and art, right? Because we're drawn to beauty. We're actually created to to appreciate and long for and desire things that are beautiful, right? Right. We're actually uh, made for truth. We seek after truth. Uh, we seek um, after justice. We're made for justice. That's why, like the Me Too movement, for instance, uh, is such an outcry of of like from from the gut that oh, this isn't right how women have been treated. And it's not okay. We're not going to stand. Why? Because we love justice. We want, we want dr- just and right treatment. We want, we want restoration. Why do we long for these things? Evelyn talks about this and she says, uh, uh, we long for this stuff because we long for the perfect. In other words, we long for God. We long for his presence. All these things, all beauty, all goodness, all righteousness, all justice, all restoration, it's all taken up inside God's character, and he's the perfecter of those things. And so, so, so we long for God, and this is what um, she says. We're going to start with a quote from a book. It's a little bit long, but, but I think um, it's really rich, so I'm going to kind of try to slowly read through this and, and, and maybe uh, hang on to a couple of the thoughts in here. She says that yet we know that perfect goodness, perfect beauty, and perfect truth exists within the life of God, and that our hearts will never rest in less than these. So that's kind of the same concept as um, Augustine. And she says this longing, this need of God, however dimly and vaguely we feel it, is the seed from which grows strong, beautiful, and fruit, the fruitful plant of prayer. It is the first response to our deepest selves, to the attraction of the perfect, the recognition that he, that God has made us for himself, that we depend on him and are meant to depend on him, and that we shall not know the meaning of peace until our communion with him is at the center of our lives. What she's saying, she's saying that that longing for God within, that longing for, for all the goodness, for all the perfection is a really a longing for God. And that prayer, prayer is a gift from God enabling us to connect with God. That deep longing for more, that deep longing for goodness, that deep longing for truth, can, 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 we can experience a, a, a kind of, um, a, in, in some sense, a satisfaction, a taste of it through prayer. And not prayer as a peripheral thing, but prayer as the center. I, I think uh, for me, for the longest time, prayer was something that you did beyond outside of life, not the very foundation and of, of, of life. Prayer, prayer is, is kind of, uh, for the Christian, it's eating, it's drinking, it's breathing. It's, it's, you need it. 
It's, it's, it's the way that we're satisfied uh, in God's presence because we long for his presence. His prayer is the way that we connect with God. Prayer is a gift from God to connect with God. And this is the tragedy, right, of Genesis 3. Right, Genesis 1 and 2 were made perfect, uh, or were made very good, the, the Bible actually says, to reflect God's perfect image into the world by the way we care for the world. And actually, there's this phrase in Genesis 3 uh, uh, where, where it says that God used to walk with Adam and, and Eve in, in the cool of the day. Is actually, uh, this phrase is actually more of like a euphemism. It actually means uh, um, that, that there was intimacy with God. There was deep relationship. There was connection to God. And, and in fact, when, when God gives Adam and Eve this, this job to rule over the creation, can you just imagine those afternoon walks with God? When they're like, hey, God, like, look at this, this, this one with like the, this animal with the huge neck. We decided to call that a giraffe, right? Right. That's what we came up with or whatever Hebrew for giraffe is, right? And, and, and they're like, that's what we decided. And God's like, oh, that's amazing. Well done. And same thing. They're like, hey, we watered this plant. Cause remember, he put him in a garden and he said, we watered this plant. And then, and then a few days later, it blossomed and there was, there was this mate. And they, and they talked to God. He said, oh, wow, that's amazing. Well done. Right? Intimacy with God, connection with God, satisfied, met, but we know it doesn't stay that way. Right, right? The fall of, of human beings. Adam and Eve, uh, they try to become like God without him. They try to take their identity by force instead of receive what they've been given. Right? They, they seek after goodness disconnected from God. And what they get is not goodness. It's something far less. Right, right. They gain this, this independence, but, but, but with it, um, the sin enters the world. And now, uh, while we were hardwired for connection with God, our software has inherited a virus, right? Right. So, so, so we're hardwired for it, like, like, like the, 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 the hardwiring works, but the software is broken, right? And so, and so we need, and that's why Jesus comes, right, to restore that relationship, to restore our software. And that's why he's actually uh, healing us from sin. He's actually forgiving us from sin because sin is settling for less than what God has. It's settling for less than reflecting his perfect image to the world, right? And so Jesus uh, uh, kind of makes that way for us. And, and, and in this, we, we experience this thing called prayer, but we experience it, um, as Paul will say, like, like through a glass dimly, right? right? We, we, or actually, some translation will actually talk about a mirror, which doesn't make sense to us because when we look in a mirror, it gives a pretty good representation of what we look like. In the ancient world, mirrors were uh, much more crude than that. They, they were scratched up that you, you couldn't fully see through them or see, see, um, see yourself back, your, see your reflection. You'd see like a, a kind of funky, distorted version of yourself. And you're saying, look, in an imperfect world with sin and where distractions abound, when we try to look at God, that's the best we can see. That, but yet, that gift, that's still prayer. And God wants to help us through prayer to see him rightly, to see him more fully. And it, by the end of Genesis 4, uh, after after the, the whole thing with Cain and Abel. And you'll notice that throughout Genesis, uh, uh, there's no real word for prayer, uh, which I actually found interesting in study. There's no real word for prayer, although people are talking with God regularly and God's talking with, with um, them regularly. But there is this phrase at the end of Genesis 4, it says, in those days, people began to call on the name of the Lord. People get, began to cry out for him. See, God has been pursuing us through Genesis 3, through our fallen reality. And, and, and prayer then is our response to his pursuit. We begin to cry out, to call out for his presence. So prayer is learning to become aware of God's everywhere presence, his voice, and his activity. The challenge for pr- of prayer is that we've been hardwired for connection, uh, but our software has been distorted by sin. But it is possible because God has come to us. And so I want to turn to Psalm 139. 
uh, which will be on the screen, but if you have Bibles as well, you can do that. And I love this psalm because this is, this is uh, 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 the psalmist reflecting on God's presence, reflecting on, 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 on how God is, is everywhere, that God is, is near wherever he is. And we're going to read the first half of this psalm, and I'd encourage you through the week, read the whole thing. This is, this is probably one of the most uh, amazing psalms. Um, and let's read this together. It says, um, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. What's he saying in this psalm? He's saying uh, uh, that there's no place we can go to be divorced from. I mean, think about some of the imagery used here. When, when, I, when, I'm, when, I, when I sit down or, or when I stand up, when I lay down or when I, when, I, when I rise, when I'm sleeping or I'm awake, right, right? I can't escape from your presence. You're always there. Uh, um, whether, whether I'm going someplace or coming back from someplace, your presence is there. Whether he actually uses crazy imagery. He says, if I go to the highest heavens, if I, if I go up, up into, into, into heaven, you are there. But if I go down to the depths, he says, probably more accurately, it's actually Sheol, the pit. If I go into the darkest pit, even, even to the edges of hell, you are there, he says. This is the, the, the language he's, I can't escape your presence. He, and he goes on in the Psalm to talk about how we were knit together in, in, our, in our mother's womb and how God was there, present in, when we were being born at, at, our, at our creation. And he's going to be present in our death. He even goes on to use this as justification uh, towards the end of the Psalm. He says, so hey, look, if you're everywhere, God, please do something about my enemies because I know that you're there too. I know that you're everywhere. I can't escape your presence. Before I speak, before I say anything, before there's a word on my lips, you know what I'm going to say. What's he saying in that? He's saying, he's saying, actually, God's in the past. That's why I love that, that, that song about faithfulness. God's in the past. God's in the future. Before you've said a word, God's already there receiving the word that you're about to say. It's crazy when you think about it. Like God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. But why do we have so much trouble connecting to it? We were hardwired for it. We were made for connection with God. And yet it's challenging and it's difficult. And we'll talk about some of those difficulties in a few minutes. He is present to us. Are we present to him? See, I think that's the, the first obstacle that we come in kind of uh, uh, 21st century Western society. If God is everywhere, if his presence is all around, why is it so hard to engage with his presence, to connect to his presence? Uh, there was a guy in the 17th century called uh, Brother Lawrence, uh, and he was a monk, um, and, and he lived kind of, I think he lived in France, um, 
and he uh, uh, was was famous. Uh, he actually, there's a book um, that's a collection. Um, also, by the way, I do have a special guest here. I haven't, I haven't talked about you yet. That's my dad back there. It's Bring Your Dad to Work Day. Uh, so there we go. Clap for him, Pastor Chuck. Uh, uh, we are sitting among royalty and greatness now. Uh, we had to up the gray hair quotient in the room, so I invited him. Um, uh, no, but uh, and and actually, I remember finding this. I, I don't know if you remember this. Probably don't. But I remember finding this little book on on the bookshelf at home um, when I was probably in junior high or high school or something. It's called "Practicing the Presence of God." Right? And it's actually a collection of of of, of letters of correspondence to and from uh, this guy, Brother Lawrence. See, people would come from all over the place and they'd write him letters because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And 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 it was said that he like so exuded God's presence. That, that, that God's presence was so alive in his face, in his countenance, in his speech, in everything he did, that people would travel all over, like, like um, days, nights, weeks, to get to this guy, to see God's presence in him. You know what his job at the monastery was? When I found this out, it blew my mind. Because yeah, I always thought, like, oh, he must have been, like, this great preacher, or this great teacher of the word, or, or, or even, uh, you know, maybe he was a writer, an author. No, no, he wasn't any of that stuff. You know, he was the dishwasher at the monastery. He washed the dishes and he cut the vegetables. But, but, but he learned the secret to connecting with God's presence in the mundane, wherever he was, so much so that people would travel from all over just to see, just to get his advice, just to get wisdom from what he gleaned from time with the Father. Right? This is what it means to connect to God's everywhere presence. God is present to us, but can we be present to him? Can we learn to be people who are present? Why do we pray? Because God is all around. And he wants to, to satisfy those deep longings within us. He wants to satisfy uh, those, those longings with time in his presence. See, prayer is paying attention to God's presence that's both with you and in you. If you look um, at John chapter 14, you can turn there, or I think it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, John chapter 14, um, Jesus says this to his disciples. This is before um, his death. Um, he's kind of looking forward to his death, resurrection, and ultimately ascension, the sending of the Spirit. And so here's what he says. If you love me, Jesus says to his disciples, you'll keep my command. So if you love me, you'll keep on doing the stuff that we've been talking about and doing together. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So another advocate in the Greek, another, uh, there's two words for another, another of the same kind or another of a different kind here. He says another of the same kind. So Jesus is saying, hey, there's one who's just like me, who's going to come and be with you. I'm going to be away and he's going to come and it's going to be as if I was with you. He's going to be an advocate, a helper to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it has neither seen him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus says, listen, God's presence is all around you, and God's presence has been with you, he's saying, in in Jesus' physical presence. But he's saying, one day I'm going to leave, and that everywhere presence will remain, but actually I'm going to do, I'm going to one-up God's presence around you. I'm going to place God's presence within you. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to fill you up with God's presence. Your body is going to contain, in some sense, the presence of God. Right? So, so before, it's like God's presence was next to you, right beside you. And now God's presence somewhere within is going to be within you. Paul, uh, 
in the New Testament, the book of Romans picks up on this concept, right? That, that God's presence is going to reside within us. And he actually says this in Romans eight sixteen. Again, Romans 8, a fantastic passage. And it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, bears witness. He testifies with our spirit. So his spirit speaking to our spirit. Our, our spirit, it's another way of saying like your inner person. His spirit's living within you and he's talking with you. So the spirit is out is beyond us and we can pay attention to where he is beyond us. But the spirit's actually residing in us, speaking to us. And so we have to train our inner person. We have to learn how to hear his still small voice as we go about life. This is what prayer is. It's paying attention to his presence. It's practicing his presence. Prayer is about training ourselves, our, our inner person, to be attentive to God who's around us and within us. But how do we do this? Like, like what is prayer in practice? I think it's, I think it's primarily it's three things, um, kind of three practical components of prayer. The first one is prayer is conversation. Uh, and, and it's a two-way conversation. So, so it's not just talking, although it's talking. Right? And many of us, we kind of reduce prayer just to this. We say, uh, I, I'm going to pray to God, so I'm going to tell him a bunch of things that I need, and I'm going to go for it in prayer, and I'm, I'm going to kind of give him a prayer rant, and then, and then I'm going to say amen and, and, and call it good. But if prayer is a relationship, if, if, our, if our main way of relating to God is relationally, uh, uh, then, 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 then that doesn't suffice, right? Could you imagine if with Bethany, my wife, um, uh, I, 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 not this Bethany, of course, my, my Bethany is not here. Bethany couldn't be here as well. I, I will say, um, uh, uh, she, um, is right now, I think probably almost done frosting like a hundred cupcakes, uh, for, uh, my sister's, um, wedding shower today. All right. So that's what she's doing and she's not here. Um, uh, but, but she's like brother Lawrence, basically. She's, Practicing the presents, frosting cupcakes is pretty awesome. Uh, and and uh, so anyway, uh, but could you imagine if I took her out on a date, right? And I, and I, and it was you know I I, I sat down and, and we were sitting um uh, you know and we ordered dinner and I, we sat down and, and I just started to tell her about my life like hey here's how work's going here's how my life's going like like here's a bunch of things I need from you can you do these things for me here's here's some other like aspects of of things I want to tell you about me and then and then I kind of run out of things to say and 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 so I so I stop and then and then and then she begins to open her mouth to speak and I say amen and I get up and push in the chair and walk away. And not only leave her without conversation, but also leave her with the bill in that story. Uh, and, and could you imagine if that's what I did? Right? That wouldn't be relationship. That's one way. Right? Why do we treat prayer that way sometimes? See, it's not just talking at God, although it is. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to speak to him. Right? I love that, that, that part in the psalm. You know, before I even spoke a word, you, you knew what I was going to say. But he loves to hear. Why? Because he loves being in relationship with us. He loves to hear from us. But, but, but I think part of relationship is also learning to listen for him. It's spending time listening, not just speaking. So it's conversation and it's two-way. We, we speak and we listen. But prayer is more than just conversation. It's more than just talking and listening. It's also communion. Prayer is, is being in communion with God. It's, it's learning to spend time in his presence with no agenda. How many times do we open the Bible like, like, uh, like, like, you know, saying if, if I get something out of it today, then it'll be successful. If I sit down in silence before the Lord and, and, and if he speaks, then it's successful. 
if I get something, if I get the answer to that question, if I get the answer to that prayer, then it's successful. I want to propose that just simply being with God consistently over time will change your life. It'll transform your countenance. It'll transform how you enter into work. It'll transform how, how, how you enter into your life. Spending time with him with no agenda. Being present to his presence. Sometimes, again, in, in the example of marriage, Bethany and I will do that. Like, like we're just sitting in the same room. We don't need to talk. Right? Talking has been exhausting. We've, we've already talked enough. And now it's just time to, to sit and be with each other. Right? You can be present to people even without speaking. And sometimes it's paying attention to his presence. That can be the game changer. So it's conversation, it's communion. And the third one, I think, is cooperation. So it's cooperating with God. You know that, that human beings were made to rule over the world, to, 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 to rule over the earth, Genesis, and subdue it, right? Not to dominate the world or exploit the world, but to care for the world. And we were meant to do that not on our own, but in partnership with God. Everything we do is meant to be in partnership or, or, or cooperation with God, in cooperation if you want to parse that word out differently, right? This is what we were made for. And so that's why I love the age-old debate, uh, uh, you know. So is prayer like saying stuff or is it doing stuff? Like which one's more important? Isn't doing more important than praying? You know, you can't just send prayer. I, prayer and doing, they go together, right? right? In fact, in, in this model of prayer, what you do is also prayer. Not everything you do is, is necessarily prayer, Right, Because sometimes in our effort to please God or, or to save the world or whatever, we run out ahead of God. Or sometimes in our effort uh, uh, to kind of preserve ourselves, uh, God's running out ahead of us and we're staying back saying like, I don't know if that's him. Prayer is about learning to be in sync, in step with God's spirit. That's language that Paul uses in the New Testament, learning to be in step with the spirit. So why do we pray? Because God is out there doing stuff and he wants to teach us how to partner in. That's why what you guys are doing in Santa Ana actually matters. That's why all the stuff you're doing to serve the city, right? The resource center, that's what it's called, resource center, family center, right? The family center, right? That's why this matters. Do you know that every time you serve at the family center, that's an act of prayer? It's where where you're getting in sync and getting in step with what God's doing in the city city of Santa Ana. It's cooperation. Your actions, your service is prayer when you're in step with the spirit. But what are barriers to prayer in our lives, right? Because I believe that prayer can happen spontaneously. We can be spontaneous about how we pray, like a need arises or, or kind of even some of the examples where you see a sunset and you glorify God for it, right? right? It can be spontaneous, and that's fantastic. But it can also be uh, intentional. And in fact, I would argue that, that prayer needs to be intentional for it to, to be increased in the spontaneous, Right? We need to set aside the time to wait and listen and practice his presence in, or, in order to grow uh, 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 paying attention to him throughout life. But what are barriers? The first one, and I'm just going to rattle these off. I know they'll be quick, um, but we can talk more after if you want to talk more about some of these barriers. Um, the first one is, is sin. And, and there's kind of this myth uh, uh, within Christianity, evangelical Christianity, that, that the reason um, that sin uh, 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 is, is, is a barrier to prayer or connecting with God is that, prayer, is that God can't stand to be around you when you have sin. I don't think that's true, actually. Because if that was the case, he would have divorced himself completely from human existence if he couldn't be around sin. Because we, 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 we're prone to sin. We're prone to wander. In fact, we have a sin nature within us, right? 
And, and, and I think what's actually happening is uh, it's not that sin does separate us from God, but not because God won't draw close to us, but because it's hard to hear God's voice when your fingers are stuck in your ears. It's hard to pay attention to his presence when your hands are covering your eyes, right? Sin separates us from God because it, it keeps us from paying attention to him, right? And so, and so when, when, when God sends his son, Jesus walks right up into the face of sin and makes friends with sinners, he befriends us when we're separated from him. And he, and he invites us, take your fingers out of your ear, take your hands off your eyes, and you can see me and hear me more clearly. Uh, the act of doing this, by the way, is called repentance, turning around, going a different direction. See, sin, sin keeps us from hearing, but, but, but by our own doing, we can, we can receive his forgiveness and we can uh, uh, turn towards him and hear him again. That's one reason. Another one is that we don't take, make the time and space. So consistency, priority, I think this one is pretty simple. It's about making time and space. Often I'll, I'll sit and counsel people. And I never hear God's voice. I say, hey, well, what does your rhythm look like? Daily, weekly, monthly of making time for it. They're like, well, I go to church. That's about it, right, right? We need to make the space, the rhythms in our daily life. Another reason is we don't know what God sounds like. Uh, there used to be a guy on our prayer team uh, who used to get really frustrated because we talk about listening for God's voice and praying that over people. And, and he used to get really frustrated. He's like, I never hear God's voice like you do. You're like, you guys always hear, get these words and pictures, and I never hear, hear his voice. You know, when I go to pray for people, I just keep on hearing these Bible verses in my head. We're like, I think that's God speaking to you. Uh, why? why? Because, because the Bible is the primary way he speaks. In fact, it's the way that we test all the other ways. If you want to grow in knowing what Jesus sounds like, if you want to grow in knowing what the Holy Spirit sounds like, that still small voice within you, read the scriptures. If you've never done that before, start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at how Jesus speaks with that tenderness, with that love. Like that's how he speaks to you. He'll always speak in ways that are consistent with the scripture. Um, uh, another uh, uh, distri- uh, barrier to prayer is that we're not honest about our personality and our season, right? So um, uh, uh, I talk to people all the time, and, and they'll be like, you know, I, I used to get all this time. When I was in college, I had all this time to, to, you know, spend intentional time. And, you know, now that I have a toddler, it's like I never even have any time for the hour of solitude and silence. Like, well, yeah, you have a toddler. Like, pay attention to your season. Know where you're at in life. Know, know the season and adjust your rhythms and expectations based off the season, right? Know your season and know your personality too. Same thing, like, like I know Mike is really good, you know, at looking at a white wall and just and, and, and praying, you know, if I do that, I fall asleep. That's what happens to me when I try and sit. I used to have this chair in my room. I was like, oh yeah, that's my chair. That's where I'm gonna sit and pray. And within five minutes, I guarantee it, whether it was morning, afternoon, or evening, I was like out in five minutes, just, you know, and, 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 to be fair, some of my best prayers are while I'm sleeping, okay? Uh, but, but, like, find uh, things that fit with your personality. My wife is an amazing journaler. Some seasons that works for me, some it doesn't. Sometimes I'll, I'll get in the habit of going on walks. You know, um, I, I know people will throw in their headphones, throw on some worship music, and they'll walk their city. And they'll just pray as God leads them as they take a walk. Right, right. Find things that work with your personality and, and stop treating prayer like an obligation, but treat it as an experiment or a practice. Right? Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try this and see what happens. And it might not work. It might be a total flop, but it might be the, the place where I, where I connect with God and I didn't know I could. All right. There's a number of ways you can do that, but know your season. 
Um, another one, uh, another barrier to prayer is distractions, right? We live in a culture of instant, right? Where, 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 where if, if, if we can't hear from God, you know, hey, I want to wait and make time for God's presence, I'll give him 30 seconds. And, if he, you know, and then he didn't speak to me in the 30 seconds, so I guess he just doesn't speak today. No, we, we need to make intentional time. What are your rhythms? Daily, monthly, yearly. What are the rhythms that you're setting aside to hear his voice? Uh, uh, another one, is we live in a culture of noise. Um, it's about to get real right now because I'm going to talk about uh, uh, a bathroom time, all right? Like, like if you're like me, when's the last time you sat on the toilet and just sat there? Anybody, nobody does that, right? You take out your phone and you scroll through Instagram, right? This is, this is real talk. Maybe, maybe you guys don't do that. Maybe you guys have, more, have better hygiene. Fantasy football. That's even worse. That's a bigger idol, I think. Um, and, uh, and, but, but we do this, right? We don't get any time away. We live in a culture of distraction and of noise. And we don't sit for long enough and quiet to pay attention to us, right? We live in a culture of busy. You know what I mean? Like, like I actually had to start scheduling time with Jesus into my calendar, in my phone. There's, there's like actually a line every morning that says, uh, prayer and Bible, prayer and Bible, like every, every day. I had a friend who used to do, she called it Thai food with Jesus, Right, and she'd go out and she'd grab Thai food and she'd say, he's my dinner guest. Right? I'm not sure if she ordered two pad Thais or not, but I mean, I'd like to think she did. Uh, and, but, but that's what she did. Right? She set aside this rhythm once a week to spend time with him intentionally. Uh, another one I think that happens to us is a culture of legalism. We've, 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 taken, we've divorced prayer from this concept of gift and we've turned it into a chore. Right? We've turned it into an obligation. Right, uh, and, and, and I know, for instance, again, to use the marriage metaphor just because it's easy, is, is I know that when date night has become a chore or an obligation, that, that my heart's gotten in, in the wrong place when it comes to the relationship. Right, right? I want, I want to ask God for the desire to want to spend time with him. And I believe he's so faithful to, to put that desire into us when we ask. Uh, it's not about checking off the boxes, it's not about, about making sure we get it all right and then we can hear. No, it's about creating the space because we want to be with him. Uh, and then the last distraction or, or the last barrier to prayer is, is what I would call unsuccessful prayer. Um, as me and Mike were talking about um, this community, um, I know that there's, there's a number of people, I think, who, who you've, you've been around church um, or, 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 or some form of Christianity, whether Catholicism or evangelical Christianity, uh, and you've been around um, uh, uh, kind of this stuff before, and at some point along the way, things didn't quite work out, but now you're back, right? Because you found something different here. You found something worth pursuing. You found something worth being a part of. And, and it's almost like the image uh, uh, that I kind of came up with was like, did anybody used to have um, like a regular or Super Nintendo? Anybody? Like back in the day? I need to know. Yeah, okay. So, so we know this. And, and you know that what would happen often with Super Nintendo is that the thing would freeze, Right? Like, just all of a sudden, like, you're looking at this screen, you're playing the game, and the level just freezes, and, and it's broke. Like, there's no way you can get out of this. And, and you know, there, there's, there's, there's two ways you can, you can fix it. You can press the reset button, or you can, if that doesn't work, you can eject the game, and what do you do? You take out the cartridge, yep, you blow in the cartridge, and then you put it back, and then if you did not save your game, what happens? Do you leave up right where you left off? No, you got to go back to the beginning. And you got to play through everything you've already played through. Right? You got to play through the levels again. And I think, and, and this is a crazy, stupid example, but I think that many of us, uh, 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 this time, the difference for your Christian life 
is that God has breathed into it. And now you're playing through the Christian life like you've already played through it before, except it's different this time. And I think that's been happening for, for, for gatherings, for community time. Like last, yesterday, you guys spent time together for small groups. Like, like, I think that you're experiencing something new, and so why not with prayer too? See, just because there's been unsuccessful prayer, because prayer's turned into legalism, because I've prayed before and I couldn't hear God's voice, because, because I was prayed before and I didn't think I did it right, because of all those reasons, I think many of us uh, have tuned out prayer as like, it's just not my thing. You've been like how, how I, I've, I've been throughout my life. Yeah, it doesn't really suit my personality. I'd rather just read or I'd rather just sing or I'd rather, you know, like make time for his presence. It's going to feel like, hey, I've done this before. I've tried this before. But, but, but I, I want to suggest that because God is breathing life into prayer in this community, uh, you're going to be able to access God in a new way through prayer. Um, I want to propose very quickly, um, just as, as we come into land, uh, three postures that I've been using um, uh, for prayer that have been extremely helpful for me in kind of um, enlivening my prayer life. Um, and um, I didn't actually come up with these. I stole them from a guy named Cardinal de Beru, which he's French, uh, 17th century, uh, Catholic mystic, and he, and, and he has three things. He says prayer is adoration, it's dependence. Actually, he says adherence, but I've updated that to dependence, uh, you know, because I'm millennial. Update things. Uh, and, and adoration, dependence, and cooperation, right? Adoration. Do you know that, that, that this morning we've already spent a majority of the time praying? You know your songs of, of, of adoration, of worship? Those are sung prayers, do you know that most or many of the psalms, like, like whenever you see a psalm and it says for the director of music at the top of it, uh, that's, that's actually because that's meant to be sung. So if, if you're really crazy in your prayer life, you can start singing the psalms. You know, you can go for it to your own tune. I like to do mine to ACDC, right? That's one way you can do it. Uh, uh, but, but, um, uh, but, but find rhythms of, of adoration. In fact, that's how I've begun to start my prayer time, to remember who I'm praying to. Maybe disciplines of thankfulness or gratitude can be helpful. I have a friend who he does, um, uh, uh, on random months of the year, he'll realize he needs it and he'll do 30 days of gratitude. I think we're starting a new month, right? Like tomorrow, right? And so you can start tomorrow, 30 days of gratitude or 31 days, right? And every day come up with a new thing to be thankful for. One, in God's character, and then something out there in your life that you can be thankful for. Do a new thing every day and watch as, as, as your gratitude rolls out the red carpet for God. And, and, and you start to pay attention to his presence more because thankfulness, gratitude has led you into his presence. Focus on adoration. Worship him in prayer. Lean in with awareness. Use, use a psalm. Use a scripture. Practice thanksgiving and gratitude. Um, the, the second posture is dependence. Now, this is about getting in touch with your deepest need. Right? We all long for God. And that's the difference between the Pharisee's prayer or the publican's prayer and the tax collector's prayer. Right? The Pharisee stands up. This is Jesus' parable. And he says, you know, I'm so awesome, God. You, 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 know, you must love me so much because of how great I am. And he has no need for God, actually, because he's got it pretty well taken care of. And then there's, 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 there's the tax collector who beats his breast. You know, and he says, he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? What's he doing? It's not that he's in self-loathing. It's that he's saying, I need you. What if as we woke up, we started that, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for something in my life. And in the next prayer, God, I need you. A prayer of dependence. In, in a culture that we live in today of self-sufficiency, 
of I can, I can satisfy all my own needs. There, there's something that we can never have satisfied except, again, as Augustine says, except for in him. Our hearts will ever be restless until we find rest in God's presence. We find rest in dependence on him. So we acknowledge our need. Be honest with what's really in you. Remember, before we speak a word, God knows what we're about to say. So you can be honest with what's really there. Did you know that some of the Psalms, we've actually dumbed them down in English, but some of the Psalms actually have such strong language to be like cursing? Like God can handle your language. God can handle your honesty. He can handle your doubt. He can handle your fears. He can handle everything that's actually in you. So whether you bring doubt and insecurity and pain and suffering, or whether you bring joy and and excitement and a love of life, wherever you are on the spectrum, God can handle your prayers, and he wants you to lean in with dependence, to be childlike, to be dependent on him. And so in this mode of prayer, I'll often uh, lean into that dependence, and then I'll ask him for help. I'll say, Lord, like, like I need you in these areas. I want to be honest with what's really in me, and we listen for God. We listen for him to speak back. Often, as we lean in with dependence, he'll lean in by saying, hey, you're my son. I love you. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. He affirms our truest identity in the place of dependence. And the last one is cooperation. We can cooperate with what God is already up to out in the world. So that's where I'll just pray through my day. I'll say, "Uh, Lord, uh, here's the meetings I have. Here's the places I'm going. Here's the stuff I have to do, the people, places, and tasks. And I'll say, Lord, can you speak into those areas? Can you show me what you're up to? in those places, because I want to be in step with you. How many meetings I go into where I would have gone in pissed off and ready to rumble, right? Instead, because I spent that time with him, he says, hey, go in with gentle. Ask them this question. So I'll ask the question, and then all of a sudden, it's like the whole meeting changes, right? He wants to give you wisdom for your life and, 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 and a new pattern for your day. Uh, and so we want to lean in with these postures now as we're going to step into um, some response worship. I think um, uh, really in worship is the best place uh, to become sensitive to God's presence. We, we, can, we can respond to him uh, who's with us now. So would you stand with me? And we're just going to wait on his presence. I'm going to read the end of this psalm over us. And then we're just going to wait on him. I'm sure the band will do kind of a, a gentle strum underneath that. Uh, not because there's magic, but it helps with distractions. Um, and helps us to focus on him. Um, so maybe just close your eyes and put your hands out to receive. Um, and we're just going to ask God's presence to come. There may be ways that he wants to minister to us. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. I just want to pray this psalm over us now. So search me, God, and know my heart. Test, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence, Jesus. I just pray now that you stir up within us a passion for your presence and that prayer would become the vehicle uh, through which we connect with you even now. And so we welcome your presence. Let's just wait on him for a moment together.
I just pray, Lord, you pour out your peace now. out your presence now, Lord. And I'd imagine in a room this size, there's some of us who are starting to experience God's presence. Um, and you might not feel anything. Um, I actually don't feel anything right now, but sometimes that's an exercise of trust. We trust that his presence is within us. We trust that his presence is around us. There's no wasted time here, regardless of what we do or don't feel, what we do or don't hear. So we just welcome your presence, Lord. We pray, pray for more of you now. I think there's might be a few people here who, who you've um, just not had a desire to prayer because of your past experience. And I think God wants to stir up that desire again. And he wants you to be willing to risk and step out in prayer. I think there's somebody else who, who you, you feel like um, you have no trouble praying authoritatively over others um, and you have no problem praying for others. Um, but when you're honest with yourself, kind of those quiet places uh, have been drying out. And the Lord wants to renew that. He wants to create a new rhythm within your life to hear Him in the private places, in the quiet places. So I just pray, Lord, you pour yourself out now. Fill people afresh with your love. The Holy Spirit, says at Romans, pours out the love of God. So pour out your love in this place. Pour out your acceptance. And would you stir up a passion for you? So in a moment, the band's going to begin to lead us. And, and, and they're going to lead us in songs of adoration and songs of dependence. Uh, and a little later on, Mike's going to talk about how, how we can lean in with that cooperation uh, of prayer. Um, but would we just lean in now with dependent hearts? And would we just sing songs of adoration to the King?